Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. News Welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. Today, Trump's fraud trial in New York is underway with Judge Engoron presiding. California Governor Gavin Newsom has appointed LaFonza Butler to fill the Senate seat left vacant by the passing of Dianne Feinstein. An appeals court has upheld the Tennessee and Kentucky bans on transgender care for minors. North Carolina Republicans are creating a secret police force. Matt Gates is threatening to oust Kevin McCarthy as speaker, but so far... He's all talk, no action. The Nobel Prize for Medicine has been awarded to Carrico and Wiseman for their work on the development of the COVID-19 vaccines. Bernie Carrick has been subpoenaed by the Fulton County DA and has asked for immunity. Elon Musk has been sued for defamation. Capitol Police investigation into the fire alarm confirms Representative Bowman's account of what happened. And Justice Clarence Thomas has actually recused himself from a case. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. He recused himself from a case, Dana. It's shocking. Shocking. It's shocking. I am clutching my what's the opposite of clutching your pearls? I don't I don't know. I have I have the vapors. No, that's the same. I can't I can't. I'm speechless. 
Let's uh, just put it that way. I'm actually surprised, but obviously he thought maybe this would show that he's not corrupt, which he is corrupt, but thought he was saving face somehow. And it's it's very confusing. Yeah. But And again, I'm not throwing him a parade. He's not a fucking hero. He needs exactly. to resign. All right. So happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Uh, I'll be spending today and tomorrow up on the Hill lobbying for funding for Ukraine. Now, Wednesday is my dad's birthday and he would have been 80. Oh, honey. And so I'm very proud to honor his legacy as a veteran who fought for democracy abroad against Russia during the Cold War uh, by fighting here for funding to end the threat Russia poses to democracy today. So it's a very meaningful day for me up on the hill tomorrow. And I just want to give a shout out to my dad. I probably will do the same tomorrow. I hope that you do. I know he would be incredibly proud of you. And I know he was when he was here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I do miss him every day, even though it's been, gosh, um, over 30 years. So everybody, uh, we have a lot of news today. So we're going to do that thing where we split the show up a couple of different ways. And we're going to start with some quick hits. I make a long story short. Too late. First up, in comments to reporters before Monday's hearing, former President Donald Trump baselessly claimed that the Federal Justice Department orchestrated the New York State civil fraud case and all the other cases against him. Quote, it all comes down from the DOJ. They totally coordinate this in Washington. Uh, he added later, it's all run by DOJ, which is corrupt in Washington. Everything goes through them. Uh, that is not true. The DOJ has nothing to do with this trial. But his performance is purely political, Dana. He's going after the judge and the New York attorney general saying, get her. Yes, she must be stopped. We also learned he forgot to ask for a jury trial. So this is a bench trial. It's no jury decided by the judge, Judge Engeron, who's a big fan of Donald's. I'm being sarcastic. I think he knows he's already going to lose. So this is just a performance for him. So much so, his family attorney said today that Trump will be taking the stand in his own defense. Wow. I am flabbergasted by that. He needs to be careful not to implicate. Well, don't be careful, Donald, but he should be careful not to implicate himself in any of his other 84,942 crimes and civil trials. But the New York Attorney General's first witness in Donald Trump's civil case is Donald Bender, who was Trump's longtime accountant at Mazars, USA. And we will keep you posted. All right. Thanks, AG. And Matt Gates. Matt took to the House floor today to hint at the possibility he might call for a vote to vacate Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy this week. Well, we'll see. He demanded the Speaker tell the caucus. <laughs> this would be good for... He demanded the speaker tell the caucus about anybody. Remember how we were going to do fairy tales? Oh, yeah. I'll do it on this one. Oh, yeah. Matt Gates demanded the speaker tell the caucus about any backroom deals he made with Democrats to fund Ukraine in exchange for Dems to vote to keep him in his job. Well, McCarthy denies there's any such deal in the works. It would be interesting to see if a deal is made or if McCarthy Republicans move to expel Matt Gates with the help of Democrats, or if they actually throw him under the bus for his allegations of sex trafficking. <laughs> yeah, that could be a thing, right? Where if he votes to oust McCarthy and he can't get him ousted, then the ethics House Ethics Committee comes back and says, yeah, Matt Gates, you sex trafficked underage women and did blow. Then, you know, they could hold a vote to expel him from the House because that was a, I mean, he was threatened during that almost fist fight. So we'll see what happens. And I'm up here to get Ukraine the funding that they need. That's what I'm here for. Along with asking for the terms McCarthy agreed to back in May during the debt ceiling debate that he reneged on. Dems are in a strong position here. I'll keep you posted. But 
Also, today, two scientists have won the Nobel Prize in Medicine on Monday for discoveries that enabled the creation of the mRNA vaccines against COVID-19 that were critical in slowing the pandemic, technology that's also being studied to fight cancer and other diseases. So congratulations to both of them. Hungarian-American Catalin Carrico and American Drew Weissman are cited for contributing, quote, to the unprecedented rate of vaccine development during one of the greatest threats to human health. That's according to the panel that awarded the prize in Stockholm. The panel said the pair's groundbreaking findings fundamentally changed our understanding of how mRNA interacts with our immune system. So absolutely wonderful job. Congratulations. Well-deserved. Absolutely. Thank you, Aegean. From former New York police commissioner and pardoned felon Bernard Carrick has received a subpoena for his testimony in the upcoming trial of Ken Cheesebro and Sidney Powell in the Fulton County Republican election interference case. His lawyer, Tim Parlator, told CNN that he is demanding immunity in exchange for his testimony. And if he doesn't get it, he's going to plead the fifth to all questions because he's currently an unindicted co-conspirator in the indictment and won't risk incriminating himself with a potential looming indictment. Probably a smart move, by the way. He wants assurance that Yeah, the that's DA... actually what I would advise him to do if I were his lawyer. I'd be like, yeah, no, yeah. we get immunity or we're not talking because we're uncharged here. So. Exactly. He wants assurance that the DA is not going to charge him. If he agrees to testify. Now, A.G., you and Pete are going to cover this more in depth on tomorrow's cleanup on aisle 45. Yes, absolutely. And I get a little sweary in tomorrow's episode. So sorry, not sorry about that. It is news with swearing. Well, this is. But I mean, everything that I touch has got some swearing in it. And the Supreme Court has denied Trump lawyer John Eastman's request to vacate the court order that forced him to hand over his emails to the January 6th committee pursuant to the crime fraud exception. You'll recall that lower court judge, Judge Carter in California, determined it was more likely than not that Trump and Eastman violated Title 18 U.S. Code 371 and 1512C2, conspiracy to defraud the United States and obstructing an official proceeding, respectively. Both are charged for Trump in D.C. It is of note, as I said in the beginning, Justice Clarence Thomas recused himself from that decision, likely because many of the emails were about him. We screamed about this, that he was hearing anything that had to do with Eastman's emails. Now, that's a first. And I think it's a testament to the pressure that reporting from outlets like ProPublica can put on these justices. Thanks, A.G. And in a statement from Capitol Police, you are vindicated. Rep. Bowman is seen on video trying to open that door and then pulling the fire alarm. This supports his assertion that he thought pulling the alarm would open the door because a sign on the door says that if you activate the alarm, the door would open in 30 seconds. Now, the Capitol Police also confirmed that the alarm only sounded in the Cannon office building. It did not sound in the Capitol building, which is across the street. Now, this investigation is ongoing, but the Republicans are going to be shit out of luck on this one. Yeah, you can't obstruct an official proceeding in the Capitol building by pulling a fire alarm across the street. Uh, Doesn't. No. Nope. All right. Uh, We still have a lot of news to get to. We still have the hot notes, but we do need to take a quick break. And if you're interested in getting these episodes of The Daily Beans ad free and early, just head to patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote M-U-E-L-L-E-R, Mueller, she wrote. And if you contribute at the $5 a month level, you also get premium access to the Jack podcast. Twofer. You get a twofer with me and Andy McCabe. All right, everybody, uh, stick around. we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, everybody, let's hit the hot notes. 
hot notes. And first up from Politico, California Governor Gavin Newsom will appoint Emily's List president, LaFonza Butler, to fill the seat of the late Senator Dianne Feinstein, elevating the head of a fundraising juggernaut that works to elect Democratic women who support abortion rights. And that's according to a person familiar with the decision and every other news outlet that's confirmed it. Newsom is moving swiftly to name the next senator two days after Feinstein's death and just as a perilously split Congress narrowly averted a government shutdown. Senate Democrats are in need of every vote in the closely divided chamber. And we should add they are in need of appointing somebody to the Judiciary Committee because it is 10 to 10 right now. And any tie means nothing gets out of that committee, which means no more judges or Supreme Court justices could be appointed. The announcement was expected to come on Monday, and it did. As an advisor to the governor, Anthony York told Politico that Newsom is making his appointment without putting limitations or preconditions on his pick running for the seat in 2024. That means Butler could decide to join the competitive field of Democratic contenders seeking to succeed Feinstein, with special elections now layered on top of the March primary and November runoff. Butler is expected to be sworn into the Senate by Wednesday, and also she'll be sworn in by Vice President Kamala Harris. Love it. I know. It's so fantastic. Now, Newsom's selection of Butler comes in a moment of, of immense change in California's political establishment. With millions of people still mourning the death of Dianne Feinstein, the barrier-breaking Senate lioness is, is really the best way to describe her. Now, meanwhile, the California governor, who was mentored by Feinstein, has been grappling with his own personal grief and the political ramifications of his choice to succeed her. People who spoke to Politico ahead of the announcement were granted anonymity to disclose internal deliberations. Butler is registered to vote in Maryland, but will switch her registration to California. And I want to interject here in this article, the Constitution is clear on this. An elected senator must reside in the state when they're elected, but an appointed senator must reside in the state by the time they take office. Now, Butler and her wife and family moved to Maryland in 2021 for work, but they have a house in Los Angeles. They have a whole they have they have a life in, in California. She will register tonight to vote and is expected to be sworn in tomorrow. The swift nature of Newsom's appointment cuts politicians and their allies off from mounting more sustained efforts to lobby him and his inner circle over his pick. And it halts interest groups that were starting to apply pressure on him, including over the question of whether he would require them to serve only temporarily. Remember, we talked about this. Mm -hmm. uh, now, on Sunday, Congressional Black Caucus Chair Stephen Horsford wrote to Newsom urging him to appoint Representative Barbara Lee, a candidate running for that seat, who the governor recently ruled out over worries about giving somebody a leg up. You know, I agree with this, by the way. Yeah. And, and as do I. And I thought, you know, that he needs to appoint someone who will temporarily fill the seat. But he didn't put that restriction here on Butler. So if she wants to run against Adam Schiff and Barbara Lee and Katie Porter in 2024, she has that option. Um, she's a veteran organizer well-known in Newsom's orbit. He contemplated hiring the Southern Mississippi native to be his first chief of staff. And she was one-time partner of the San Francisco-based consulting firm Bear Star Strategies with his top political advisors. Now, she's remained a confidant of Vice President Kamala Harris after serving as a senior strategist on her 2020 campaign. She's based in Washington, like I said, but she ma maintains her close ties with L.A. She had a stint as a director for public policy and campaigns at Airbnb. She spent nearly two decades as a powerful and well-respected labor leader with the Service Employees International Union, SEIU. As president of the SEIU California, she worked closely with then-Governor Jerry Brown, on policies like hiking the minimum wage to $15 an hour 
and raising taxes for the wealthy. She also served on the University of California Board of Regents, to which she was appointed by Brown in 2018, before she stepped down in 2021. Butler is the first openly LGBTQ plus person to represent California in the Senate. Thank you, AG. We go from good news to really not great news. And I'm sorry to have to report this story, but a federal appeals court on Thursday allowed Tennessee and Kentucky to enforce laws banning gender-affirming medical care for minors, such as puberty blockers, hormones, and surgery. By two-to-one vote, the Cincinnati, Ohio-based 6th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals rejected a challenge by families of transgender children who had argued that the bans discriminated on the basis of sex. Now, the ruling is the second by federal appeals court upholding such laws after the 11th Circuit ruling revived an Alabama law. On the other side of the ledger, federal district courts in Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, and Indiana have overturned such bans, as has a state court in Montana. While mainstream U.S. medical associations say gender-affirming care is appropriate in potentially life-saving treatment for gender dysphoria or distress caused by the mismatch between transgender people's sex assigned at birth and their gender identity, there is a difference. And I know the listeners on this podcast know that. Most of the general public does not. But the Sixth Circuit panel sided with proponents of gender-affirming care bans who say the treatments are unproven and risk permanently harming children, which is not true, and it's bullshit. Yeah. In a dissent, Judge Helene White said the Tennessee and Kentucky statutes, and I quote, cannot pass constitutional muster and intrude on the well-established province of parents to make medical decisions for their minor children. Mm -hmm. Well, both the Tennessee and Kentucky bans were blocked by trial court judges, but the Sixth Circuit in July allowed Tennessee's ban to take effect while it considered the state's appeal. Now, the judge overseeing the Kentucky case then allowed that state's ban to take effect as well, saying he was bound to follow basically the Sixth Circuit, which hears appeals from both states. Okay, now lawyers for the families who brought the Tennessee challenge, including Lambda Legal and the American Civil Liberties Union, call the ruling a devastating result for transgender youth and their families and said we are assessing our next steps in defense of transgender rights. So. Our, our country right now is at a, such a crossroads. I just got back from Minnesota where they've literally made Minnesota a safe haven for transgender health care and transgender youth. And then we have these jack waffles down in Tennessee and, and, and Kentucky doing this bullshit. Like it's, it's frustrating to say the least, but I'm still hopeful that the courts are going to do the right thing and overturn these bans in the future. Yeah, because... Uh- all of the lower courts said they were unconstitutional, even in Kentucky and Tennessee yeah. and Georgia and uh, Indiana, like very conservative states. Um, the, the federal district court said that's unconstitutional, bro. And then, you know, it gets up to the Sixth Circuit and the Eleventh Circuit and with you get two Trump judges on there and, you know, they're going to do this. Now, when they say they're discussing their next steps, I hope that they appeal on bonk to the entire Sixth Circuit panel. I don't know how that's going to go, but one of these cases, I'm sure, will make it up to the Supreme Court, but we probably won't get a decision on that until maybe a year and a half from now. So hopefully there will be stays in place to stop these laws from going into effect pending those appeals. And I imagine an emergency stay will be filed in these cases as well. I hope so. And from Tensim Zakira at Popular Info. North Carolina's new $30 billion state budget contains a provision that gives extraordinary investigative powers to a partisan oversight committee co-chaired by Senate leader Phil Berger and House Speaker Tim Moore. The Joint Legislative Committee on Government Operations, or GovOps for short, is empowered to seize any document 
or system of record from anyone who works in or with state and local government during its investigations. The rule applies to contractors, subcontractors, and any other non-state entity receiving directly and indirectly public funds, including charities and state universities. Moreover, GovOps staff will be authorized to enter any building or facility owned or leased by a state or non-state entity without a warrant. This includes the private residences of subcontractors and contractors who run businesses out of their homes. Now, alarmingly, public employees under investigation will be required to keep all communications and requests for communications confidential. They may not alert their supervisor of an investigation, nor consult with a lawyer. Violating this rule, quote, shall be grounds for disciplinary action, including dismissal. And those who refuse to cooperate face jail time and fines of up to $1,000. Now, in the event that GovOps searches a person's home, these rules mean that the person must keep the entry a secret, cannot seek outside help unless necessary for fulfilling the request, and could face criminal charges if GovOps deems them uncooperative. Now, Moore and Berger claim these new rules are benign. They're just harmless. They're necessary to exercise oversight for state funds. But Democrats and other critics and everyone with half a brain says this is <laughs> fucking fascist. I'm going out on my own limb there. But the changes turn GovOps into a secret police force, warning that the new policies have far-reaching implications. During a legislative debate, Senator Greg Meyer, Democrat, asked lawmakers to consider a hypothetical in which GovOps accessed personal health records, like ultrasounds, which are required by the state to receive abortion pills. The ultrasounds are required by the state. The commission, Meyer said, could and would release these documents to the public in a hearing. One provision repeals the law that required communication regarding redistricting and be made publicly available when new legislative maps were adopted. As one of the most gerrymandered states in the universe, public records have been instrumental in challenging North Carolina's redistricting maps. And in 2022, a gerrymandering trial exposed a top Republican redistricting official for using secret maps to draft the state's redistricting plan. All that would be under wraps now. Another provision allows North Carolina lawmakers to exempt themselves from public records requests. Current and former legislators shall not be required to reveal or consent to reveal any document, supporting document, drafting request, or information request made or received by that legislator while a legislator. Under that state's previous law, legislators were recognized as the custodians of their own records but had to file specific exemptions to withhold records. Uh, a third provision will, would allow legislators to, quote, determine whether a record is a public record. Legislators can now decide to retain, destroy, sell, loan, or otherwise dispose of their documents. So this is some super fascist shit, and I hope somebody sues and that this thing goes down, because it's absolutely, it's the SS. I agree. And speaking of suing, I don't think this is going to be the last of these for Elon Musk. This is from HuffPost. It seems that he, as we know, the tech billionaire and far-right sympathizers, what they're calling him, Elon Musk, has been hit with a defamation lawsuit after he falsely accused a recent college graduate of being a federal agent involved with a neo-Nazi group. Ben Brody, who's a 22-year-old Jewish man from California, filed the lawsuit against Musk on Monday after he said he and his family were forced to flee their home after continued harassment and threats after Musk promoted a dangerous conspiracy about Brody. And this is a quote, and yet another example of Elon Musk's serial pattern of slander. 
He falsely told the world that Ben Brody participated in a violent street brawl on behalf of a neo-Nazi extremist group. That's what the lawsuit said, and that was obtained by HuffPost. Now, the lawsuit centers around a fight between neo-Nazi group Rose City Nationalists, and they're called RCN from here on out, and neo-fascist group The Proud Boys that took place in Oregon earlier this year. In a video footage that went viral, a member of RCN had his face mask pulled off and Internet sleuths went to work hoping to find his identity. And they're usually very good at this. Others dismissed the reality of far-right violence by falsely claiming members of the neo-Nazi group were actually federal agents. That included Musk, who amplified the false conspiracy that Brody was the man in the mask, then later suggested Brody was part of a false flag situation in a post on X, which, as we know, was Twitter. And that remains up, by the way. It has not been taken down. And this is a quote. Musk made these ridiculous, false and damaging accusations based on a tweet he had seen from an anonymous far-right extremist Twitter account. This is what the lawsuit alleges. And went on to say, after amplifying the claim for two days, Musk personally leveled these accusations against Ben Brody, and it has led to severe personal harassment and permanent damage to his reputation. Now, there's a lot to the story, including some of the evidence on HuffPost. So you can read the entire article at HuffPost. Yeah, it's a long one. And they have all kinds of texts and tweets and what are jits or whatever you fucking call them. I don't know. <laughs> jits. Jits. <laughs> I would really recommend going to HuffPost and checking it out. Elon defamation suit, Ben Brody. If you Google that, you should be able to pull it up on HuffPost. It's a really good report. Uh, all right. Thank you for that. That was all the news. <laughs> we finally got through it uh, for Tuesday. But we do have some good news we want to share with you. And we'll do that right after this quick break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt, give a shout out to someone you love, send us pod pet photos. If you don't have a pod pet, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area or a small business in your area or a whoopee story. Like if you have a blankie that you've been carrying around since you were a kid or a stuffed animal, I want to know about it. I want to see it. Dana wants to know about it. Dana wants to see it. She also wants to see baby pictures and so do yes, I. Yes, please. And uh, I want to see frog orgy photos and Dana probably does too. Uh, anything really that you want to send us throw your kids under my bus (laughs) (laughs) come on man (laughs) help me out also that's not your kink and i still think it's hysterical that that has now been blown up into submissions yeah yeah because i mean if you're new and you don't know about this i don't know how it started but people started just sending in frog orgy photos i think it started with a frog photo and like they were humping and i was like it's a frog orgy and everyone decided that that was my favorite thing in the world and that's now it's just it's become that so anything at all send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact here's a cool breaking story that we'll go into a little more detail tomorrow from cnn john kelly has gone on the record confirming that trump called veterans and war dead suckers and losers so remember how that was up in the air i do nobody was really quite sure and i was like he fucking did it uh yeah he did it uh so that's been confirmed uh by john kelly all right let's take a look at some of these good news submissions that we have, because I always love these so much. From Tracy S., pronouns she and her, my seventh grade autistic grandson stims when he's happy by shooting his arms in front of himself. 
We call them joy jolts. Oh my we God, can calculate his happiness in jolts per minute. That, yep, JPMs. I'm with you. I took him and his buddy to see Barbie. They loved it. The convo in the backseat about patriarchy was lit. After we dropped his friend off, little dude said slyly, Grammy, I saw your joy jolts. Oh. I guess a raised fist could look like that. Oh, oh my cry. God. What a sweet submission. Oh. Yeah. And you know what, Joy? I did some, uh, or I'm sorry, I've, I've called you Joy now from the joy jolts. Tracy, when when Ruth, played by Rhea Perlman, was like, mother, stand still so that daughters can look back and see how far they've come. Like that just, see, I'm already getting choked up. Mm-mm. You are very sweet So right I now. totally understand. I totally understand. Oh my God. Thank I you love for that. today's good news already. All right. This is from Juan. <laughs> Ladies and Leguminati. I have good news and bad news. The good news is that I came up with the perfect Halloween costume. It's Anakin Skywalker, who turns to the dark side oh, because... Anakin Skywalker. Oh, thank you. I was we like, have Barbie, back-to-back Barbie submissions today. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker, hilarious, by the way, who turns to the dark side because he can't beach. <laughs> <laughs> There's sand. <laughs> oh, my God. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. The bad news is I'm probably not going to have time to put it together. So I'm putting it out there. So hopefully someone can make it happen. Thank you for the work you do. And by the way, if you have a chance, please check out my Instagram. It's at Juan Snapped. J-U-A-N-S-N-A-P-P-E-D. Juan Snapped. Love you all, Juan. And hey, if anyone wants to be Anna Ken Skywalker, I mean, that's kind of (laughs) fucking hilarious. You're Anna Kenuff. That's amazing. Wonderful. Absolutely. All right. Two Barbie submissions back to back. Let's see what we got next from Aaron. Pronouns he and him. Hi, AG and DG. I'm a 20 something guy working through the hellscape that is modern dating and finding people with similar social and political values is important to me. I have a short list of podcasts that are immediate green flags. If I found out the person I'm going out with listens to them and all of them uh, are MSW media podcasts. All the MSW media podcasts are on the list along with the 5-4 podcast about the Supreme Court, and the Friendly Atheist podcast. He's been on the show, Aaron. I love that podcast. So as odd as this feels to say, thank you for helping me sort through my dates to find people with similar values. It is much appreciated. Love you both. Keep being you. You know, I wonder if we have enough people to have a Leguminati dating app. (laughs) Oh my God, I bet we do. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's a few hundred thousand people. Very select but uh, I think that would be awesome. Aaron, best of luck, A.A. Ron, because 20-something, mm, it's the junior high of life. It's just, it's an awkward time being in your 20s. <laughs> so oh my God. I wish you the best, my friend. We can call it the Beans Dating App. What's brewing? <laughs> oh, loves hey, brewing. Was- loves brewing. Or how how you brewing. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna network this live on the podcast and we haven't talked about it. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) All right. This one's from Anonymous, pronouns he and him. I took on a side gig earlier this year to support my friend in running the Eugene Environmental Film Festival. And I'm happy to say that the website is running and the virtual festival option is available. We had to narrow down the submission of over 150 films to just 46, but it feels good to have launched one of the largest projects I have completed outside of my day job in tech. Would love a shout out as we are hoping to grow this film festival over the years and to help put it on the map for Eugene. Now, the film yeah. festival is called 
eugeneenvironmentalfilmfestival.org, just like it sounds. Now, I listened to an episode where someone mentioned their acceptance into a film festival, and I thought I would help highlight the work that goes on for the people who put together the film festivals. The Eugene Environmental Film Festival is a 10-day festival going until Sunday, October 8th, and that involves days of action to help connect people with nonprofits that are environmentally conscious in our area. We also host filmmakers for all around the world in Eugene, Oregon, and have talks, Q&A sessions with them. And so there's also a schedule. I'm not sure if, I don't know if we put those in the show notes. Can we get this in the show notes yeah. for the patrons? Great. Yeah, we there's, can probably put a picture of this schedule. Yeah, there's a whole the schedule. And... So you can look at these and decide mm-hmm. uh, what you want to what you want to support. This is fantastic. Thanks so much for bringing this to our attention, Anonymous. So rad. EugeneEnvironmentalFilmFestival.org. Everybody go check it out. Support. Let's make it huge. Let's make it gigantic. Let's, let's, let's populate it with Leguminati. And then maybe we could have a singles mixer while we're there. There you go. All right. Next up from Vanna, pronoun she and her. Hello, queens. I wanted to share a new movie that is going to be rolling out in theaters across the country throughout the month of October. It looks like. It's called Dick's the Musical. AG. And it just, just, I just have mm-hmm. to interject. I saw the preview for this because I went and saw Bottoms. And I know that movie sounds like it's something that it's not. Go see Bottoms if you have an opportunity to, because it's totally different than what you would think. Like, the only way I can describe it is like a lesbian Heathers, which, I mean, mm-hmm. come on. So anyway, there was, a, there was a preview for Dick's the Musical, and it looks so damn good. Keep going. Mm-hmm. It just debuted at the Toronto Film Festival last month with incredible praise and rave reviews, and it won the 2023 People's Choice Award in the category of Midnight Madness, the official description of the movie. Two self-obsessed businessmen discover their long-lost identical twins and come together to plot the reunion of their eccentric divorced parents. In this riotously funny and depraved musical from comedy icon Larry Charles, Seinfeld, Borat, also starring Megan Thee Stallion, Nathan Lane, oh, Megan Mullally. Yep. And Bowen Yang as God. Oh my God, what a cast. Yep. Check out the trailer online. It looks amazing. But this wreck and shout out of sorts has a more special meaning to me personally. I went to high school with an incredibly talented kid named Carl. We were both in choir and I got to watch that talent flourish over the years. As it tends to go these days, I watched him struggle and fight to pursue his dreams from afar via Facebook updates. I always knew that guy was going to make a big one day. I really did. Well, it looks like that day is here. Carl St. Lucie is a co-producer, composer, and songwriter on Dick's The Musical. Yes. You guys, he wrote the score for a movie musical. I've watched his journey these past few weeks, and the movie premiered at TFF with the biggest smile on my face and immense joy in my heart. There are talks of the song he wrote that Megan Thee Stallion performs in the movie being nominated for an Oscar. An Oscar. I am so beyond proud of that kid I knew and the man he's become, and he deserves every ounce and gallon of success that's coming his way. So check out the movie if it's showing in a city near you. For Pod Pet Tax, I give you my seven-month-old baby, Moose. Thank you both for all you do to keep us informed with honesty and levity. Vanna, first of all, I love when people love the success of other people because so many people don't, you know, like so many angry people jerks out there who are like, well, what about me? When's mine? You know, I love people who understand that there's room for everybody and that everyone's success is fantastic and beautiful. So thank you so much for this. And I'm going to check out Dick's the musical and look at Moose. I can't. Moose is adorable. I mean, really adorable. 
So very cute. Congratulations, Vanna. All right. This is from Kristen, pronouns she and her. Hi there. Heard about the recovering Republican recently and wanted to say how great it is to know I am not alone. On top of that, I'm recovering from evangelical Christianity. Kristen, I see you. Well, not me personally, but I I know a lot of people who are. How sad that these two groups often go together. Your podcast is always part of my morning routine. I also read historian Heather Cox Richardson every morning, working hard to educate myself. Ignorance is not bliss. Happy to have become part of our local LGBTQ ally center, Blue Water Allies in Port Huron, Michigan. Now, this is a wonderful safe space for the entire community, offering vaccine clinics, yoga, art classes, teen hangouts, senior citizen hangouts, HIV support groups, so much more. Recently, a county representative wanted to give $10,000 to the center from a tiny part of the local, the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, which is ARRA allocation. A subcommittee voted yes on the give, but word got out that the rest of the council would vote no at the board meeting. A large group of us went to the commissioner's meeting. I have never been so inspired by a group of people before. The three-minute comments that each person expressed were compassionate, peace-filled, fact-based, articulate, and kind. We were able to get the $10,000 by a four-to-three vote. I was able to speak as well and was thrilled to do so. We're having a gala fundraiser on October 20th. Dinner, dancing, and drag. The evening is a homecoming theme. Sorry about the late notice, but you're obviously both invited. Thank you for all you do. Enjoy the pics of my two kitties. Kristen, I love the submission. Thank you for being an ally. Thank you for speaking because that is such, it really is the next step. There's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I'm an ally, but when they're, you know, they have to put their necks on the lines, you know, they, they stay quiet or, you know, they just, they just say they're an ally. You went out and spoke in public as a reformed Republican and evangelical Christian. I wish I could hug you and I would. Thank you so much. And you got that money. I'm getting teary. And Thank you, got you so it. much. Thank you so much. Four to three vote. Mm. You did it. You changed minds. Oh, wonderful. Amazing community. Thank you so much. These kitties are beautiful. Oh, I love them both so much. Tabby and a tuxi or a cow. I don't know. Like if, if it's more white than black, it seems like it's not a tuxi. So I call them a cow. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so inspired by everybody's submissions today, Dana. Everything is... Everything is so amazing and wonderful and what a wonderful present um, for for me and for my dad for his birthday and for what I'm about to do um, and in his memory. And so this has just been super amazing and inspiring and I can't wait to tell you all about it. And I hope that uh, I, I do. I hope I do good. <laughs> oh, you will. I have so, no doubt you're going to do more than good, A.G. So thank you all so much for these submissions. Everyone, send in your good news. Send it to us at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Tell me about your dad um, or a parent or a mentor in your life or some sort of, uh, you know, parent-like figure that that means a lot to you. Um, I would love to read about those uh, on my dad's birthday. So do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today, my friend? Uh, just a little shout out, I, not to myself, but to my schedule. I've got some public events coming up the next few months in places like Boston and um, uh, Seattle, Chicago, Cincinnati, and a lot of them are public events. Some of them are human rights campaigns events. The one in Cincinnati is a Planned Parenthood event. All these organizations need your help. So check out my website, stanagoldberg.com. You can click on appearances. And if you want to get dressed up and have a night out with someone or by yourself or with friends, this is a great reason to do it. So that's all. Just go check it out and see if there's something that actually is near you. 
So wonderful. I love what you're doing, my friend. Uh, we will be back in your ears tomorrow. I'll give you an update on what's going on up on the hill. And of course, we'll give you uh, all the news that is fit to swear about. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone you know with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.